Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Welcome back to the Movement Podcast. Uh, It's Elliot here, and I'm excited to be here with Scott Berry. And we're excited to dig into your story a bit. Scott, welcome to Movement Podcast, mate. Thank you, Elliot. It's great to be here. Good to share a bit of my story. So Scott is married to Jazz and has two kids um, and is the pastor at Trinity Baptist Church. And someone I've known for a number of years and have learned a lot from and love working alongside. Uh, and Scott, you've just started here on the SA Baptist team That's right. as well. What's your role, mate? So my role is the team leader for the Next Generations Ministries. So previously that role was taken by Beth Hoy, but Beth is now working with her husband Llewellyn at Aberfoyle Park Baptist. And to fill her shoes, it's taken th- possibly three of us to uh, make up for her. So she was previously in the role half-time, uh, but now we've kind of split the role into a couple of different components so Mary Ackers is taking the, uh, the youth role. She's been involved in uh, Easter Camp and BYG for a number of years now and is well known throughout that kind of scene and uh, established in her leadership. Uh, then myself, I'm the team lead uh, for, for the role at point three and then there's, and also in the, uh, the component of young adults. And then we don't yet have someone for kids, uh, but we're looking into that and hopefully that'll be not too distant future having someone over kids, and so the the benefit of the way we've reshaped the role, in conjunction with conversations with Melinda, uh, is so that then there's people with specific focuses for the areas. So, um, so sometimes in the past, um, you know, little patches can get missed at times, um, and areas can feel neglected. But hopefully, no one can feel neglected if there is someone that they've got as a sort of point person around their their different areas. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting to know. Um, some more of the young adult leaders I've been sort of starting getting around and I've kind of talked about it as a as a listening tour as I've been getting out and meeting some young adult pastors and hearing what goes on in the different churches um, and it's encouraging and yeah fascinating to see what goes on um, and yeah being a part of the the BYG the Baptist Youth Gathering space and sort of seeing uh, how the youth looks as well and yeah Mary's doing a great job there so Scott, it's so good to hear you speak passionately about your new role, and we're loving having you on the team and having you around the office uh, a little bit more, and uh, it's been a lot of fun already, and we're really looking forward to serving our churches together. Uh, I want to ask you this question as we start off. That I want to hear a bit more about the, um, the passions and experiences that have shaped you and brought you to this role. Well, it all essentially started for me at Clovercrest Baptist, where my sister and husband are now um, pastors at, at Clovey. Uh, but that was sort of the church I grew up in. I can't remember, couldn't possibly remember my first service there. I think I was dragged in there as a, a baby in bassinet. And my parents were involved in that church in lots of different spaces. And so I grew up in a kid there, uh, really loving it and engaged uh, in, the, in the kids ministry and uh, youth ministry in what, what became was the, the junior high um, ministry of like what was called Theo's Place. And Mark Wilkinson was the the youth pastor and worship pastor and a, a few different things that he did there. And I remember going along and just kind of, just, you know, being another church kid and being at a Christian school at Padere Christian College. And and then somewhere in year 12, things sort of cracked for me and I realized, 
and I actually had a friend kind of asking me questions about whether I really was Christian or not, and um, it got me thinking. And there was no definitive date, but somewhere in my year 12, I was kind of getting dragged along to church, you know, under presumption from my parents that I had to be there to, by the end of year 12, loving being at church and like choosing to worship and uh, reading the Bible for myself and really genuinely engaged that Jesus was my Lord and Saviour and uh, friend and everything. And so it was from there and then sort of being, you know, Clovercrest, they were, they were good to us. They allowed us to kind of, um, kind of wrestle with some of the big questions. We even kind of had Sunday school, even for uni. That's I remember great. being in first year uni and still kind of dodging the Sunday sermons and we did sort of a... Um, essentially yeah uni Sunday school okay which was in itself a bit strange now looking back at it we kind of push our kids out of Sunday school a lot earlier um, but eventually yeah Mark Wilkinson kind of sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said come on mate you're going to grow up and um, help and serve and so then started to get involved with the uh, the yeah the junior high um, age group and yeah started really enjoying that and did that for a, for a decade and yeah just loved it uh, serving with with some other young adults, you know, seeking to raise up uh, the next generation of uh, teenagers, so that they would catch their faith for themselves. So it wouldn't right, just yeah. be something that their parents sort of impose on them, but that they would actually have other, you know, teenagers and young adults who would demonstrate for them how the faith was to be lived out. And so myself and a number of friends doing that. Um, you know, I also had the blessing of getting to see some some friends uh, coming to faith, and that really kind of set my heart on fire. And I remember, you know, going along to Youth Alive, and also, yeah, some Baptist youth gatherings. And so it was actually through one of those that my friend Jason Lippert at uh, Kings Baptist, him coming to faith from a entirely non-Christian background, and that again kind of proved to me that this Jesus thing wasn't just a historical study of the past wow, but that yeah. um, that Jesus changes lives yeah. and that, that changed the way I, I thought and um, yeah really kind of yeah really caught my heart for Jesus and so somewhere along there um, yeah I kind of kept on being involved in youth leadership um, you know kind of leading the the young ones myself like as a you know, small group leader yeah and then eventually um, Sean Boucher went over to uh, Indonesia as a missionary and he would been leading the the Theo's the junior high group and he kind of said to me come on Scott you can take this on if you like as the um, the department leader and so then I was leading the leaders and somewhere along the way was kind of wondering I'd been studying at um, uni for a number of years I really enjoyed the uni era and spent um, yeah six years at uni and just lapped it up um, and then yeah, somewhere along the way, you know, studied, started uh, working as an occupational therapist and enjoying doing um, OT um, full-time, but then also heavily involved in the church. And then, um, but enjoyed OT, but was kind of wondering, oh, is this what I'm going to do forever? Yeah. Um, and I wasn't sure. And I remember kind of scratching my head and thinking, oh, do I want to do this or not? And like it wasn't that it was a bad job, but I remember kind of wondering, should I go back and become a teacher or be a youth pastor? And I, to be honest, the teacher thing, it was partly that they had 
way more holidays than the rest <laughs> of us. Yeah. And I thought, they've got like four times the holidays that any other profession has. And I, I've got some teacher friends. I know they work hard, not four times harder. <laughs> so I was... I've seriously considered doing that. And my, and my mum was a teacher. And it's like, oh, this can't be, you know, like I like working with young people. Maybe I should consider that. Or the other thing was as a youth pastor, I remember going to Mark Wilkinson and saying, hey, I'm kind of feeling like I'm at a crossroad. What should I do? Should I consider being a, a youth pastor? And his amazing words were, well, guess you'll know if you never try. <laughs> and that was it. Like I was expecting some kind of great affirmation. Oh, of course, you'd be the amazing youth pastor. And like it, that wasn't it. It was, oh yeah, give it a go. Go and go and check out Bible College. And so I, yeah, I chucked in a job at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. I asked if I could have a one-year secondment to take time off, and they said, nope. You either have to quit or not. And so it was a faith step. And you quit? And I quit. Yeah. I just said, yeah, I'm going to Bible college. So I went to Burley Bible College when that was still a thing, when the Baptists still had a Bible college. Yeah. Um, and gave that a try and found that, like, really excellent, like, mostly. Um, there are a couple of subjects that bored me to tears, but um, that was all right. Um, in the most part, it, it was, yeah, really invigorating. And again, just took my faith to another level. Mm. And, and I remember Andrew Menzies, who was essentially in the role that I'm in now, okay. um, uh, working with the next generation leaders. And I remember meeting with him sometime and having him as my the supervised field education like mentor and talking with him and him and, yeah, kind of still being unsure that I'm going to do a year of Bible college and... Like hopefully there might be some role at the end, but if not, I'll go back to being an occupational therapist that just happens to have some more Bible college training in me. Okay, and yeah. That'd be okay. Um, and him saying, oh, no, we've got a job for you. I'm sure of it. God's got this sorted. And just like this real kind of deep sense of peace that, wow, that someone who knows stuff and has, you know, been the youth guy at Crossway Baptist and uh, was employed by Baptist churches and, you know, he he knew stuff that he had had some faith in me and said, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll get a, a role for you for sure. And that that brought great confidence for me that this wasn't just a, a year of learning more stuff about the Bible, but that it was really setting me up to then move into that space in a deeper way. Mm. And uh, then... Then in the midst of doing all of that, um, we used to live on essentially kind of a dead-end street. And I remember being out the front of our house, uh, which was a pretty rare thing because you know, I was don't know, 27 at the time and like, I wouldn't mow our lawn or do any gardening or do anything really out the front of our house. But I was just incidentally out the front. And then someone I used to know from church, Martin Crabb, was driving down the street and he stopped. He saw me. He pulled up and he said, Scott, I haven't seen you in a few years, but the church I'm at now, Enfield Baptist, we're looking for a youth pastor. I've been thinking of you. Wow, it's so great. Here you are. I want to ask you to apply. I haven't heard too many stories of people driving past and offering jobs. No, I know. It was just like, it was amazing timing. Because, yeah, I, 
yeah, didn't hang out in the house very often, yeah. out the front, and yeah, just to have that incidental, um, I was just like, oh, okay, I'm sure, I'm, tell me more about the job, and so yeah, we ended up okay. um, going for a coffee with John Beasy and Dan Beasy, yeah. um, and um, who were, yeah, John was the senior pastor, and Dan was the kind of the key youth leader at the time, and now at Ross Trevor Baptist, and just talking with them and hearing their heart for the, uh, the, the youth uh, leadership and the the, the youth role there at Enfield Baptist again grabbed my attention and I just like wow and so it really felt like a, a God thing amidst it all because I didn't you know as my uh, step in with um, I, it was a bit sort of tentative okay so um, yeah so to have a few of those sort of God moments yeah where it really felt as though yeah God was calling me into it um, was yeah great and then um, yeah, stepped into the role there at Enfield. Yeah, enjoyed um, five years of ministry there with the with the teenagers and yeah. loved that. And it was during those years that our paths yeah. crossed. That's yeah, where I first met you. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah, there was some connection there with Everstown Baptist, and yeah, um, that was excellent. Uh, and then amidst that time, oh, sort of at the, at the end of that time, when I yeah, started there, most of the youth leaders were kind of. Uh, so probably 16, 17, 18, and there were some, you know, high school age youth. Five years later, they're all well into their 20s, starting to get married and sort of grow up. And I remember John Beasy saying to me, Hey, we don't so much have a youth group anymore, it's a young adults group. Mm. Um, we need to think again. Should we, would you like to go back and do youth again? And we'll have a, someone else come and do young adults, or do you want to continue to? to journey with these people into their young adult years and we'll get someone else to do youth. And yeah. so I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I love this crew. I'm just going to stick with young adults. And so I continued with them. And so we did some, we tried a few different expressions of what young adults might look okay, like. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of the guys sort of stood up that had been youth leaders and they took on the youth role. And so, I, so yeah, then I got a bit of experience working with um, the young adults. And, and that was... There's, there's some great people and it was really encouraging seeing again some people coming to faith amidst that time That's great. and others you know taking their faith seriously and um, getting involved in different things but the truth is also working with young adults is a bit like herding cats <laughs> uh, because when you're 16 if your buddies are going to be somewhere on a Friday night mm. you want to be there yeah there's no there's no negotiations but when you're 22, like the world's your oyster. You've got a lot of options. You can drive. You can drive. Yeah. But but also, like, you've been working probably yeah. or studying and working. And sometimes people just want to sit at home and be by themselves. And so the, it felt, it was really different. And also, by that time, you know, they've done youth group for a few years and mm. they want a different space. And so, yeah, it was... So we were trying to figure out what that looked like, you know, unpacking the scriptures for, you know, people that are, yeah, that bit older, that aren't teens anymore. And so, yeah, we tried a, different, a few different things, some Friday nights, some Sunday arvos, some, you know, weeknights, um, yeah, different spaces. I don't think we've cracked the, cracked the nugget yet. I thought you were going to tell us you've solved it yeah, and it you're here to give it to yeah, us it today. No, and truth be told, as I've gone around and um, yeah, been talking with other young adult uh, pastors, 
I'm encouraged by some of the things I've heard, but mm. I, yeah, I know it doesn't feel like there's this one-size-fits-all model that can just be rolled out and uh, provided. So, yeah, sorry, silver bullets are still evading <laughs> us. Um, but, but yeah, I think we've got some ideas yeah. um, along the way. And so, yeah, that that was then kind of... So I was involved there at Enfield for 13 years. Uh, and can also then, then there was another kind of kind of significant God moment um, of then moving into like not just a married man but having kids and really enjoying that season and um, and like truth be told my interest in kids for the vast majority of my life has been very low mm. um, I'm certainly not sort of a clucky sort of guy um, studied occupational therapy with lots of um, females and there was always the possibility of doing uh, placements with like in pediatrics working with kids and I remember saying to them oh please don't give me a pediatric <laughs> placement give it to one of the girls they're interested they want it I'm not interested and it wasn't till I actually had my first child that I could actually have a prolonged conversation with anyone about children <laughs> um, when I was suddenly was a stakeholder in this yeah. whole childhood thing yeah. um Oh, it started I, to matter. It started to matter. I, yeah. I would humour my sister because she had a kid first. I would humour my sister and talk a little bit about kids with her when she had one. Um, but then, yeah, when I'm, when suddenly I was yeah pop committed yeah. Um, in actually this whole raising children thing, suddenly I was interested in that. And so yeah, and then we were you know so starting to learn about that and um, sort of along the way, I remember yeah this other God moment. When I was in the bathroom, kind of bathing my, you know, kids, going through the, the whole bath thing that you do with toddlers, um, and I remember this kind of feeling of, my life's good. Mm. I really like my life, my kids, my ministry, my family, my house, like all the stuff that God's given me. Like I'm just thinking, I am really fortunate, and I could keep cruising like this for years and years. I, I like my senior pastor, I like my co-pastors, I like my church, I like, I've, I am blessed. Mm. And I remember kind of feeling like God saying to me, yeah, you're right, but are you gonna go all in? I was waiting for the butt. Yeah, yeah. there was a kind of, like, are you ready to launch yourself in the bath? Yeah. And I don't mean into the bath of my child, that, yeah. you know, that's a bit chaotic, but yeah. but as in, like, it was felt like God inviting me, hey, are you ready to go all in and because up until that time I'd been bivocational I'd really enjoyed working as an occupational therapist Mm. and being an OT and you know then I'd preach on a Sunday I would talk about how tomorrow I go to work Mm. like most of you you know I have you know a regular workplace with all sorts of people you know Christians non-Christians and everywhere in between people of other religions and that's you know the normal life and I really enjoyed that you know, kind of had that up on my senior pastor. That <laughs> he didn't have that. Um, and the lots of pastors don't. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that, that space. Yeah. But I remember almost feeling like God saying to me, well, come on, do you want to be uncomfortable for a bit? Do you, are you ready to be stretched? Yeah. And saying, and it was, it was also kind of linked to the, the pastor, the, essentially the seniors pastor, okay. pastor for oldies. Uh, he was deciding to retire. And so I then went to John Beasley, the the lead pastor at Enfield and said, oh, I'm interested in the pastoral care role. I'd, I'd be interested in taking a, a greater role here. Yeah. And again, he kind of said, oh, oh that, 
that surprises me. I didn't think he wanted that. Yeah. Um, and so then he looked at me taking on an associate pastor role okay. with pastoral care, and also there was a, a community, it was a community ministry that Enfield had called the Community Visitor Scheme, which then had you connecting to all sorts of random people and actually quite a few kind of um, international students. Yeah. Um, and so, so then I yeah started with that, um, which again was another really great space to to try something different and have all these interactions with genuine randoms that kind of somehow connected to our church community but that weren't themselves Christian. Yeah, so that was um, a thing I'm feeling, yeah, feeling kind of yeah, launching myself in and going all in there and then you know continuing in that role for a while um, and getting a, a deeper and a different ministry experience until eventually the time came of kind of wondering what's, what's going to be the next. And so that was, again, a few years' journey and feeling the call um, at Trinity Baptist yeah. uh, to go there and sort of yeah going along and meeting some of the people and the you know the pastoral search committee and uh, feeling a real connection there and taking on that role and really enjoyed at at Trinity again a, a, a good deep uh, local connection mm. so um, so our house is you know 500 meters away from our church and yeah. 500 meters from our kids local school so just being able to walk the streets and get to know countless people in the neighborhood and really really love that so that's been yeah our space there and so then in that being more deeply connected to the kids ministry yeah uh, because our kids are part of the kids ministry but then also um we're really seeking to help our kids reach out to other kids in the local area and in our local school as mission field yeah i've really been quite um impressed and, and learned a lot watching you explore this idea uh, yeah. Particularly with generational connection in your community, and yeah. uh, the suburbs you're in lend themselves to yeah. this, so you do have an opportunity there that not everyone has. Yeah. Uh, but it's been great to see you guys explore and experiment in this space. Yeah, and so yeah, so that's something that I've I've really loved. That a lot. So we're in Colonel Light Gardens, and a lot of the kids that are at that school are like walk or ride their bike yeah. to school, and are really are really quite local. Uh, and so yeah, we're. We're lucky there that people aren't just kind of shipped in from miles away, um, and so then yeah, when we put on our like holiday kids club or um, you know kids club program on a Friday night or Friday after school, that, yeah, there's a number of kids that are up for just sort of joining the the little posse that walk on down, and so sometimes I look like the Pied Piper, kind of walking twenty kids along the street, and I give them a you know, big speech beforehand at this at the at the playground of okay, you're safe here at the playground, you're safe when we get to the church, but we're going to cross the roads in a minute. <laughs> so far we've got uh, a 100% uh, return rate of getting there safely. But every week there's a risk. So you need to listen as to when we're crossing roads because there's plenty of kids that listen well, but there are some smaller kids that may be deep in conversation or whatever. And we, when we slowly get this... Um, host of kids along and yeah, I've been having a great time with them and and them like yeah having you know fun and games and snacks and interacting but then we always have like a a little kind of Jesus video and kind of debrief with them as to what what that means for them and and how they take the story and then getting them to retell the story back and it's amazing sort of catching these kids um, yeah many of whom aren't from like church families mm. as they 
yeah, really grow in their understanding of who Jesus is and why the story of Jesus matters and how the person of Jesus yeah, is, invites them mm. to faith. Yeah. It's not just an adult thing or not just a you know, grown-up thing um, that, that Jesus cares about kids. All the way through your story so far, Scott, I'm hearing just your passion. It started out with youth ministry, really, mm. and then grew into young adults ministry, and then somehow went all the way back to the beginning as you had your own kids, and even now hearing your passion for, for helping um, kids um, and youth and young adults experience and know Jesus and grow up in him. Uh, and one of the things that I appreciate, appreciate about you is the conversations we have and, and I hear you have with others um, in person, but also on Facebook, the things that you're reading and sharing. Um, the books you recommend to us are wrestling with culture and generations and um, and it's just been great to hear some of your passion. I love that you're now in this role and get to help ask those questions across the movement. As you, as you think about our movement and um, next generation ministry maybe in our movement, uh, I mean, even this podcast, who do, you, who do you hope's listening? Who do you hope's listening into your heart today? I... I hope it is a whole range of generations. Mm. I hope some of our young, younger leaders are listening and are encouraged by hearing a bit more of um, yeah, my story and passion. But, but also, I really hope there are some older ones listening too, uh, because I think the question of where, where is the future of the church and uh, how we seek to empower the next generations, I think really matters. Mm. And so I know for, like, for myself and in our, our role at church at trinity um like it definitely is you know like everyone speaks from personal experience um and so for me seeking to give a voice to younger ones really matters mm. and so so you know every time we do a holiday kids club afterwards we seek to get the whatever kids were, were there to get up on stage and tell us a bit you know give us some feedback of what went on and what story was it and how you know what did you learn about jesus uh, but similarly, I, um, my great hope is that that we would have intergenerational churches. Mm. Um, that is one of my yeah, great loves, is being able to connect some of those, um, those uh, age group inspirations. And so I love seeing some of my favourite 80-year-olds from church, um, talking to my son about mm. basketball yeah, and how great. his team's going. Or, and similarly, some of the other you know, the ladies talking to my daughter about becoming baptism and the camps that she's been on and so I just think that sort of stuff is really deeply encouraging for them mm. that they know it's not just oh that you know that mum and dad care about them being at church and that they've got friends their own age but that that the the church family is a wider family and it's not just um, that it's not just silos of age groups mm. and as you know as important as those silos of age groups are and you know you know we have youth ministry because teenagers are having their conversations um and that's important for them to have a space in that but as much as when i was a kind of jaded mid-20 like i just wanted to hang out with other jaded mid-20s um i now realize in retrospect that if i was given the gift i wanted that would have been unhelpful Mm. um and that it was really helpful for me to have like people that were in their 40s or 60s and so on speaking into my life and and challenging me on some stuff that's a great lesson and also um and yeah especially as a you know single young fella as a young young adult with long hair with long oh glorious messy long hair in the grunge era (laughs) and loving it um but 
but to see yeah friends that were that people like Mark Wilkinson who were older and married and seeing his interactions with his wife yeah that would would really and his his love and respect for his wife really spoke into um, to my heart as a different voice from yeah. just parents and other mm. people that you know kind of with that that generation above but those um, those sort of in between generations as absolutely crucial as well those those um, investments and generational connections are just so key in our development mm-hmm. for anyone yeah. but it's amazing how common those stories are in the leaders in our churches and yeah. particularly the pastors yeah. uh, those really key investments by um, yeah. either youth leaders but particularly older people yeah. in our churches just so matter yeah. and they make a huge difference they change who we are even if we don't appreciate it yeah. in our 20s or in our teens and yeah. can't express it that way yeah and i'd say it's not that it, I didn't appreciate it in my 20s. It's probably more that I didn't want it or yeah, weren't okay. looking for it. Yeah, okay. But then when you kind of get it incidentally yeah. and then realise in retrospect, oh, yeah, that was really useful. Yeah. Like, I, if I'd had the choice, I'd have kept it. And I remember kind of, you know, reading some books at the time thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great to race off and do your own thing, invent your own little church plan, and it's just, it's just the hip indie types. Uh, that'd be the best. But the, that little microcosm never exists forever. Mm. So if you're basing a ministry around just a little microcosm, it's actually not sustainable. Uh, I don't think it's also very kingdom-flavoured. Yeah. Like the kingdom is like in, is intended to be broad and diverse yeah. and is yeah. to be a whole range of ages and cultures and people who are cool and people who are deliberately and explicitly uncool. Yeah. And yes. so when... Yeah, when I was just wanting to have this kind of cool thing, it's it's not very Jesus-like. Yeah, there's some good lessons in in that, Scott. Now, I was hoping you'd find a way to tell this story as part of your experience. So I'm gonna insert it here, even though it uh, is a bit of a, a bit of a diversion in our conversation. Um, but you're the only um, Baptist pastor that I know that's been bitten by a shark. And I just, I just want to spend a minute just giving you a chance to talk about any <laughs> generational lessons generational from lessons. that story. Okay, well... <laughs> Tell us I, what I, happened. I, I'm not sure how, <laughs> how well I've told this story to you in the past, but, but to give it a little biblical context... <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, obviously Elliot knows that story, and it is, it's a fun story of, you know, June long weekend, being out at Parsons Beach, and, like, I you know, I'd listen to all the stories of don't be... You know, don't be there dusk or dawn. Not true. Sharks are in the ocean all the time. Um, they, they don't go in at particular times. They don't have set meal times. Um, so I was in, it was like 11 o'clock in the day or something. Well and truly well lit. I wasn't the furthest out. I'm there sitting on my bodyboard, you know, waiting for some more waves. I had been having great waves all day. And then this thing, I see this thing darting under the water and... And I look and I wasn't sure, is it, a, um, is it a seal? Is it a dolphin? Oh, no, it's the other thing um, <laughs> that, you know, you dare not say its name. And then, bang, got a little, you know, hit on the side and I realised that it was going me. Uh, and then kind of swam around in a circle in front of me and, yeah, kind of freaked me out a bit. Kind of freaked um, you out a bit. Yeah, yeah, I don't get freaked out that often. <laughs> um, and I said some crosswords at it to encourage it to go away. Um, but the, the part in the story you probably haven't heard before is, yeah, I'd slept the night before down you know, my parents' shack down at Victor, and I'd actually had a dream of getting, like, 
attacked by a shark the night before. No way. Yeah. Really. I haven't heard this part of the um, story. And But, of course, in the dream, like, you know, when you're in a dream, things are at a better pace, like you're in control, like you, you're in control, <laughs> like, like so sometimes at least in your dream. Yeah. Like, so in my dream, I could, like, bang the shark on the nose and I was strong and whatever. In reality, I'm not strong. <laughs> the shark is fast. He's in swim. the water. Like, I'm... <laughs> I'm a long way from the shore. <laughs> I can't get out very fast. And so the best I can do is shout obscenities and point that the shark should go in the other direction. And thank you, Lord Jesus, he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think well. amidst it all, I was kind of like, you know how you sort of... So yeah, so, so the, the biblical connection is uh, the book of Daniel. Yeah. Uh, there's some, like there's that kind of dream thing that goes on in Daniel. And also... In Daniel, it feels like there's these arrow prayers that go up. Yeah. And so it feels a bit like that of um, in the midst of, you know, the lion's den or the shark's uh, ocean. Yeah. That there's these kind of prayers that kind of go up even in the midst of other stuff of like, oh, God help me. And, yeah, so I'm still here today. It wasn't the biggest of sharks and bronze whalers don't normally kill people. So um, I think my chances were pretty good. Um so I'm still back in the ocean as often as I can get in there, and so far so good. It's great. it's great to hear. We like having you still around, mate, and you look like you're still in one piece to me. I'll, ta- I'll bring us back into your role here and your passions around next-gen um, ministry. Um, and you said early on that you've been in this like listening kind of phase yep. um, since you've just stepped into this space. Um, so what what is it that you want to want us to hear, I guess, as you've been listening? Have you already started to pick up some things that you're seeing, hearing, learning? Um, that that you want to kind of start to chew through and consider and, and maybe even want to put out to us. Okay. Um, so so generally, I reckon the in the different spaces, like youth is doing great. Like Baptist youth, things are going well. That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, I'm really encouraged. And like again, don't get me wrong, you can't can't generalize too much. But as in, I think lots of churches. Um, kind of feel like they know what they're doing and are really quite intentional in their discipleship and are reaching out to their friends and there's a whole you know Easter camp's been going well for you know many years now and the BYGs and um, and there's you know camps but you know scripture union camps and CE camps and all sorts of things and that's that's really um, yeah a, a really good solid um, area that's growing steadily um, and we're seeing people come to faith, and I'm yeah really excited for that. Um, but I'm I'd have to say I'm more concerned for the other two um, areas. Okay. Um, and again, don't get me wrong, I, you know there are good areas of hope in both of them and green shoots at different times. But I think there's an element of kind of needing to be deliberate and um, kind of work through with both the kids and with the young adults. Um, yeah, there are a few places where there's like a absence of kids, and that is kind of yeah concerning. Um, like again, there are plenty of places that are going well. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it is it is such a crucial space, and um, and it again it is it's difficult for churches because um, kids attract kids, mm. and youth attract youth, and if you if you've only got a couple or none or whatever then 
like a new family turns up the next week and they look and say, oh, you know, sorry, there's no kids here. We'll, we'll go on somewhere else. Mm. So it's, it's a tough space. It can be hard, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for young adults, like I mentioned, the whole herding cats thing, that it can be difficult to know what you want to do with young adults as a leader. But the other, other truth is I think young adults aren't too sure themselves what they want. And, um, and part of it is also there are, like for myself, and there are many other young adults that serve in youth ministry, and so there is a space then of, of learning and serving. But um, I've seen it yeah, so often it has been the case, and I know it was back in my era at Clovercrest, and having some friends who weren't interested in kids or youth ministry, uh, and them kind of wondering, well, what's my space in young adults? And so, um, so finding them a space for growing, but also a space for serving, um, because those two are like intimately linked. Mm. Um, like in my mind, everyone who's sort of in the kingdom needs to be thinking of where they're serving. It's not if, it's a yeah, it's discipleship how. and leadership overlap. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's a how. Yeah. Like whether it's whether it's tech or music yeah. or behind the scenes, mm. you, know, you know, however it looks, mm. um, that that Jesus has a space for everyone to use their gifts. Mm. It's just a given. And so we as leaders are trying to find spaces for people to to share and to use their gifts. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so for some, for young adults, it might actually be um, just essentially adult ministry. Yeah. They might be, you know, young accountants and getting onto the board of their church, seeking yeah. to be future treasurers. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's and, the other. And church is making room for those young leaders. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And so that's that's one of the other questions that we've been talking about of. So when we talk about next generation ministries, yeah. when does that end? When are you no longer a young <laughs> yeah. adult, and yeah. when are you just an you're, you're just actually just an adult now, yeah. and you have to just admit it? Yeah. Um, because obviously we have a culture that like glorifies youth mm. and young adulthoodness. Mm. Um, so yeah, we sometimes kind of keep people perpetually youth. Yeah. When when you're 29. You can't hide from it. You're an adult. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, and then there's other ages where you can't hide from it. You're middle aged now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe oh. that's our wrestle, Scott. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I can't. I can't deny it. No. Now this this last. Um, I mean, it's almost two years now, but eighteen months or so has been really, really challenging. Uh, has an, had an impact on um, on the world around us, on our churches as well. Um, is there anything you want to reflect on in the challenges of this season? But I'm also particularly interested in, um, and you can use a generational lens if you want, um, what what do you see as the opportunities um, with all this disruption that's been happening around us? Mm. Um, I reckon probably the, the two big things that have really struck out to me um, is there's an element of uh, a willingness to take risks and to try stuff. Yeah. So obviously everyone had to do that when suddenly church couldn't meet in person. Um, And so that was was really great. And I think a lot of people enjoyed being able to just do other things, knowing that we couldn't do the same thing. Mm. Um, And so... so We had to be creative. Yeah, and so I hope hope that continues. Um, A willingness to just, yeah, take risks and have a go, knowing that... Like when you have a go, sometimes things don't work well, and yeah. we're still doing Zoom for church. Um, and for the most part, like at Trinity, mm. um, for those that are Zooming for us, they're, they're mostly older folk. Mm. 
um, that are less able to come to the service. The most of the younger ones are able to come out, be there in um, person. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's fascinating that it kind of pushed a lot of the older folk to be able to get some online skills, and it continues to pay dividends for some who, yeah, for whether it's health or other reasons, can't um, join us. Um, so that's great. And yeah, so the, the second one is the whole online area. Yeah. And I know, again, for us, um, we went from having like a, you know, we had a weekly Thursday morning prayer meeting to saying, well, if we can do online stuff, you can pray like wherever. Mm-hmm. And so we would just do, so we then had two, I had a in-person thing when we could, but then also um, we now continue to do online Zoom prayer meetings. And right. so it's great to just gather with some others from the church, mm. read a psalm, and pray. Um, and so, yeah, that's again, that's been a great space. And also just, some, again, some online you know, prayer messaging group for our church. And mm. again, just trying to think about what are some ways where people can just get straight to it and rather than kind of waiting for the weekly newsletter or, you know, to let people know on a Sunday, oh, can you pray for this, you know, trouble in my church? this you know this health issue or you know thing that's going on for people to just be able to instantly write a message got a job interview tomorrow pray for me mm. and or you know i'm having this conversation with a non-christian friend tonight pray it goes well um, so yeah it's great to be able to have some more of those um, instantaneous um, online community experiences um, as you as you look forward uh, both as a new new in your role um, in our movement uh, but forward beyond this season or through the rest of this season, um, whatever that look, might look like, what 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 do you see um, needs needs to happen or the questions that we should be asking in the next gen space? Yeah, I think essentially the question to be asking is like how how do we lead some of these younger ones into leadership and how do we prepare them to step into leadership and um, and also. Where do they feel, where do they have a voice into the church? Uh, and so, yeah, one of the key things to me is, like if we want our, our, our kids and our teenagers, for them to, you know, like myself, come to that point of um, having their own, like owning their faith mm. and owning their church. Yeah. Um, like obviously we've always been sort of seeking to push our you know, kids and youth to own their faith. Yeah. But to own their church, then we need to make sure that they actually feel like stakeholders, and that so they, important. Yeah. yeah, that they've got uh, a voice into the, how the church looks, and runs, and feels, and providing you know platforms and spaces for them to actually give in. So it's not just that church is something they come and gets done for them, and they you know might be a part of a song or two, and then whisked off to the, you know their programs, but that they're that they know they matter in the church yeah. and that um, yeah, they're able to speak into the life of the church. And whether that's, you know, small ways like, yeah, inviting them to speak into things and do Bible readings and involved in the, um, in the band or whatever, but just trying to find spaces so that they know um, the adults um, see them and that they matter mm. and that their faith development, you know, you know that we... Do, you know, doing kids talks and that we're praying for them as in their faith as they grow and that they and I remember I remember coming along to a service at Richmond okay. years back in a you know, summer holiday yeah. and I remember um, yeah that being prayed for 
and really loving the way it was prayed for, for the leaders and the kids and for their faith development. And I remember yeah, just being, yeah, impressed and liking, I'm not even sure who it was worship leading. I'm, I'm certain it wasn't you, Elliot. It so probably not, wasn't me worship I'm not, leading, mate. <laughs> I'm not raving about you. <laughs> yeah. But whoever it was, I remember just thinking that just the way they spoke about it, that essentially it was a kind of like giving thanks to God for for the for the children and for those that are impacting their faith and recognizing that that the time they spend um, out of our sight is not is not babysitting mm. and it's not even just learning important Old Testament stories because good Christians know their Old Testament stories yeah. it's about faith development yeah and we yeah. and we recognize the people that are spending that time and we recognize that these kids are growing in their faith mm. and and that is crucial stuff and a, and a couple of that. things that I've picked up from your story even your story today um, is people that get alongside mm. from a very young age and, yeah. and stay alongside yeah. and just that friendship and encouragement people from different generations I'm talking about yeah. uh, but then really critically I think at all ages and stages of development um, that that really um, clear encouraging voice yeah. that taps people on the shoulder and yeah. says hey this is what we see in you and that affirming encouragement that can be so formational for a child yeah for a teenager yeah and for a young adult at those different stages of development and um, yeah. scott i want to give you another opportunity to say and talk about anything else that's on your heart mate that we haven't got to yeah so it's uh, so there's nothing specific that's different from what i've already said essentially it's around that whole concept of where do you, where do we have spaces for our young people to feel significant and to yeah, influence the life of the church? Um, if this is, if in 50 years' time, assuming none of us are still in the church, as in we've gone to glory, yeah. um, or however long it is, it's theirs. Yeah. So how do we start preparing them that it's their church? Yeah. And we want... As much as ours. Yeah, yeah. as much as that. And so... Yeah. And so it becomes their church, so yeah. we, we need to start allowing them a voice as soon as we can yeah. um, in, in, in as many ways and yeah, helping them understand like, the responsibility as well, that that is a, a responsibility that, yeah, a time comes and it's, it's not ours anymore and we want them to steward um, yeah, Jesus' body on earth diligently yeah. and beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great spot to um, land on, just pointing our, ourselves and our churches and particularly our passion for the next generation to King Jesus um, and discipleship in him. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Season two of the movement is hosted and produced by the team at Baptist Churches of SA. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest. <laughs>